you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. Rubenstein and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, episode 123. Hi guys. Well, we're going to continue our month on meltdowns. And this week I want to talk about fear. Okay. Um, I think that fear is something that many of us have heard, you know, operate from a place of love, not fear. Uh, but I don't know if we've unpacked what fear is really all about and what message it's trying to convey to us, um, as thoroughly as I think we sort of need to, because if we want to get underneath why meltdowns happen, and understand them from a different, you know, from a different, more, more meaningful place, uh, and really get to the roots so that we can pull the roots up and plant new seeds, those seeds that come from that loving place, that place of really investigating what's going on for our kids, helping our kids to feel understood and seen and valued and safe and all of those things. Um, I think we have to unpack fear. And I think so many of us operate from a place of fear. And, um, and what does that mean? You know, I think so often we've turned ourselves off to the fear because it's scary. It's scary to think about all the bad stuff that can happen, right? We well, mean, we're faced with this when our kids start to drive at 16. And and, you know, you all of a sudden have your precious child who now has grown into a teenage body and they're getting behind the wheel of a, you know, several thousand pound steel vehicle and going on the freeway and going to be sandwiched possibly between 18 wheelers. <laughs> so yeah, you're like, oh, thanks. I wasn't thinking about it like that. Thanks a lot. Um, you know, it's scary. It's super scary. And so every time your kid goes out of the house, you're, you literally could never sleep again in your life because it's just so scary. Cause all we want to do is we want to keep them safe and we want to protect them. And if you're a person of color, if you're a black mom, as I've heard recently, not only are you worried about your kids going and getting um, all the things that the white people are worried about. You're also worried about, God forbid, if they should get pulled over by a police officer. 
And so what I've heard from all the black and brown moms is, is yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't have to just worry about that. We also have to start prepping our kids when they're pretty young um, about how they have to behave where their hands need to stay on the wheel. Um, and, and a whole, you know, so we, it goes even beyond the basic fears. We go into, you know, we go into systemic racist fears. Like it's, it's deep. It's deep. So what do most of us do to be able to function and not be in a catatonic state um, in our lives because the fear is so paralyzing? What do we do? Well, many of us do something called dissociation. And this is a term that I think is very interesting. So the human brain, okay, is wired to... um, to be bathed in, in all the like healthy growing chemicals so that like our brain, when we're, when we were kids, our brains just want to develop. And so anytime we are, our, our brains are bathed in, uh, in the chemicals, like the stress hormones, um, it's really not healthy for us to stay in that state for long. And so, and so we develop coping skills to get back to a place where we can now be coated in the feel-good chemicals and we can continue growing and developing the way we were supposed to de- grow and develop. So that's why, um, you know, I talked last week about the meltdowns and, and, and really what point they serve. They're really a coping mechanism to help you to feel, help any person to feel temporarily better when they're in that super high-stressed chemical state because the body knows it's designed not to stay there for long. And the brain cannot fully function and develop um, to its optimal capacity if it is sitting in a bunch of of negative chemicals. Now, it's interesting because I have heard that a little bit of stress is actually good for us. It can propel us forward. It can increase motivation. So it's not like we were never supposed to experience stress. Like, like, it's okay. It's a reason why we have our fight or flight response, right? Like, like from when we were, when we were cave people, if we were faced with a tiger in the jungle, we needed to run fast, fight hard or freeze. And so, um, and so that, that exists within us for a reason, but we're just not meant to like stay in that place for long periods of time. It's not healthy for the human body. So, so when we go through feeling fearful and we start to have those, those stressful hormones, you know, the stress hormones going, coating our brain, um, we developed a coping mechanism called dissociation, which causes us basically to like check out. So it's like your, your body is there, your mind is your mind seems like it's there, but you've actually gone on a spaceship far away. And it's why I think a lot of people um, will say, I don't have many memories from my childhood. And it's because something happened where that caused a lot of stress hormones to coat your brain. And as a little tiny resilient human, your body figured out this coping mechanism called dissociation and, um, and you just went on a spaceship. So it seemed like your body and brain were right there and you were right there, but you just, um, checked out, checked out so that you didn't have to stay in that high stressed out state. And so the dissociation 
um, now has been a pattern in your life for a long time. And, um, and it's just a way to kind of like deal with the fear, deal with the stress, deal with the scary stuff. Okay. Now, I think it's also important to understand as humans, the way we were designed is we have one thing to do, well, really one job, and that is to stay alive. Really, that's our job. And that's why we have uh, the negativity bias where we're always like kind of scanning the environment for things to be scared of, things to be aware of, things that seem dangerous, right? Like Danger Will Robinson. It's why when you ask people, um, well, what don't you want or what don't you want to do or what don't you like, we can quickly reel off usually like, you know, a gazillion things. And then when you say, but what do you want? What do you want? Uh, quite often people, people don't know how to answer that. I don't know what, I don't know. I have to think on that. You know, I don't know. I don't, because, because we were designed to be scanning for all the negative stuff. So the whole field of positive psychology is a very interesting field because all it means is that like, you know, there's this thing called neuroplasticity where we've learned that the human brain, like we we're so evolved now as, you know, as creatures that we have even figured out how we can change that, how we can like bring more conscious thought into our current experience in life. So like we've learned that we can sort of like manipulate our own brain right? So we can, we, we have this negativity bias, but we can do all these practices. Like when you hear people talk about the gratitude practices or the daily affirmation practices or meditation, or, you know, all these different practices, we have all these amazing practices that sort of like counteract that negativity bias, but just understand our natural go-to is the scanning, scanning, scanning for danger, coming from a place of fear, when it gets to be too fearful, having this coping mechanism that was developed when we were kids of checking out and going on a spaceship in our brain to keep ourselves safe, to keep, to, to recoat our brain with, with feel good chemicals that promote growth versus the you know, staying in that state of stress and high cortisol for too long, which impedes growth. Um, so, you know, we're complex creatures, but we really were designed just to stay alive. So the fear, okay, the fear is really at the root of so much for so many of us. And especially when it comes to meltdowns, like if you think of like a meltdown being an uh, when somebody has having a meltdown, it's scary. It feels out of control. The people around you feel powerless, whether it's an adult meltdown or whether it's a kid meltdown. Like even if I'm in a, if I'm in a store and some random stranger starts having a meltdown, um, yelling, I would, I want to talk to the store manager and believe me y'all in, you know, however many years ago that person was me. Okay. So no judgment if I'm talking to you and you're that person. But now where I am is I'm very aware of that. And I'm very aware of like what's going on around me and kind of the energy around me. So even when somebody's doing that in a store and I'm just a witness to it, it feels sort of scary to me. Like I'll get a little bit of a pit in my stomach. 
And so it very much affects uh, when, when that kind of anger is around, it affects all the people around you as well. Now, anger, I've read that anger is really a secondary emotion. What is rooted underneath anger is fear. Okay. So anytime you're angry, you can say to yourself, what am I scared of? What am I scared of here? So maybe when you get angry, when your child um, acts out, has a meltdown, refuses to listen to you, you know, gets aggressive, gets physically aggressive, and it, you find that like it gets you really angry and you stop and you say to yourself, but what am I scared of here? What am I scared of? You know, are you scared of your child being the one that's in control of your household, your child thinking that they can go out in the world and solve problems by acting like a lunatic, by hurting other people, by being physically aggressive? Are you worried that your child is going to be a aggressive, violent person? You know, are you worried that your child, like this, like this isn't, I'm supposed to be teaching this kid how to get along in the world and be a civilized human. And like this rate, like this is going to be a kid that goes down the wrong path. You know, if you get extreme, you're like, okay, people go to jail when they grow up to be angry, violent people. Um, How am I going to be able to manage this kid if they're already this aggressive at the age of six? How am I going to manage this kid when they're 14 and they're all of a sudden bigger than me? Right. So, so underneath your anger, it might be that you're actually scared. You're scared of the future. You're scared of what this behavior is going to bring. And so, um, so I think it's just important to look at where the fear is coming from. Because what I can tell you is, is that anytime we operate from a place of fear, right? We operate from a place of fear. The outcome is never going to be good. The outcome is never going to be good because, you know, we want to be those calm, grounded grownups that like every kid wants to have in your corner. You know, we want to be the soft place to land when our kids are going through something in life that feels scary or they don't know how to handle. Like we want to be the grownups. We want to help to take care of them, right? And help them to feel safe in the world. Um, we're not exactly those able to be those grownups when we're in a place of fear. Cause when we're in a place of fear, we're in the lower centers of our brain. Like literally that's the dumbest versions of ourselves. We're not in the thinking brain. We're not in that place of our brain where all the executive functions are housed. We're in the place of fight or flight ourselves. So we can run fast. We can fight hard, but we're not able to truly guide them and, um, and be that grounded soft place to land when fear is running the show. So I think it's important to just like know when your fears are coming up, um, it's, it's really a sign that there's, there's some old hurts probably coming on the scene for you that you haven't resolved yet. And um, it's important to take a look at those. It's important to take a look at those and there's lots of different ways you can take a look at those, but even just like starting by noticing when it comes up, when you start to get triggered, when your heart starts to race, um, you know, look, if, if you have never thought about things like this, but you just have a kid that's melting down and then you know that you're yelling back and there's a lot of power struggles, 
there's more on the scene. And I would say either go and see a really good therapist, um, start reading some self-help books. At the very least, I've been loving this um, this holistic psychologist on Instagram. Her name's Nicole LaPera, L-A-P-E-R-A. Um, she has some amazing posts. Uh, so, so, you know, there's so many resources in our world. That's my point is sitting. Yes. Therapy can be really helpful and impactful. And if you're like, okay, I don't have the money for all that, or I, that's not an option for me, or we're in a pandemic right now. Like I can't even go in, I'm not going to go sit in the therapist's office, whatever it is. Um, just know that it is not the only path to healing, but you got to do something. You got to do something, you know, blaming your kid for their behavior and then reacting to them constantly from a place of anger and fear. It's just never going to get you the outcome that you're hoping to get. You got to, you got to take a deep look at what's really coming up for you. And, um, and if you were the kid where in your household, you know, back to that show that I talked about last week. You know, as the show unfolds, you get, it's very interesting how they do it. They do it in a pretty nuanced way, but you sense there's tension in the household um, of the show, normal people. You sense there's tension in the household. You can tell it's a family that doesn't speak. You can tell the mom is very cold and shut down. And you can tell there's an older brother who's really nasty to Marianne, the main character, um, and just seems like a creep. Like he shows a sign early on where he's dropping her at school and somebody calls him, a friend calls him on in his car and says, um, Hey, could you give me a ride to work? I hate to inconvenience you. And I know you've already left and whatever. And, and, and her older brother's like, Oh, no worries. Yeah, of course. Um, and so he's like, yeah, no big deal. And so he's super nice to his friend. And then he gets off the phone and he like, parks away from her school and he's like, okay, get out. And she looks at him and she's like, it's pouring rain. I'm going to get soaking wet. And he's like, get out. She's like, you're not going to pull up. He's like, get out. And so he just kicks her out of the car. So you get a sense then that there's some major nastiness on the scene and, um, and she's receiving some pretty crappy messages. And then her mom, who's just like, so just cold and shut down and aloof. Um, you can tell she just hates her mom and her mom just seems like anything but loving. And, um, and as the show unfolds, she has one conversation with, with a, with the boy who's kind of the main character in the show. And she says that, her dad was her dad who it turns out has her who passed away. Her dad was mean and um, abusive to her mother in front of her. And, um, and the boyfriend says, um, did he ever hit you? And she says, no, he never hit me. And so it's interesting because she was deeply affected just by witnessing the violence between her parents and being in a household with that kind of tension and anger. She didn't get hit herself, but just being a child, not just, but being a child in a household where abuse was present uh, deeply affected her. And it deeply affected the whole family and the whole household. And then um, 
And then as the show unfolds, you see just how disgusting the brother is. But the brother, obviously, look, kids learn by what we model, not by what we say. So the brother was taught what was modeled for him was abuse towards women. So the brother, you know, is, is, is very shitty to her and, um, and they don't, they don't harp on it in the show. They just touch upon it, but they touch upon it enough that you just get the sense that her isolation, the family's disconnection, her loneliness, um, she lives in a place of fear in her own household. And so she is just shut down to the world. She also has um, a deep sense of uh, unworthiness. And, uh, and, and as the show unfolds, you see how that comes out more and more, um, how she just, you know, you know she, as humans, our brains seek the familiar. And so we seek familiar patterns. And that's why so often we recreate um, accidentally, we recreate until we heal patterns from our life, we recreate them again and again and again. And, um, and so you see how, because she was treated, um, unworthy and like less of a human in her family, and there was no sense of justice or connection. Um, you see how her character seeks that familiar pattern in relationships like she truly, her comfort zone becomes being treated poorly by men, um, being treated like less of a human by men. And, 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 and she, you know, especially when she had the chip on her shoulder when she was younger and she was in high school, she was the outspoken feminist, right? She was the outspoken feminist. She had a chip on her shoulder. She was going to let anyone talk to her. And she was smarter than everyone and blah, 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 blah. That was her armor. So she was this outspoken feminist, but you see the truth unfold as she gets older and as she grows, that she had this deep sense of unworthiness and loneliness. And, um, and she really, you know, there was so much anger and fear on the scene for her. And I think that, look, these are hard topics to look at and to talk about. And you might be like, shit, I just came on. <laughs> I just want to hear how to stop my kid's meltdown. Um, but what I want y'all to understand is, is that when we look at family systems, when we look at generational patterns, when we look at why kids act on the outside in such explosive, unlikable, disdainful ways, like when they're little, they're taking it all in. So if there is a lot of anger on the scene, if there is a lot of fear on the scene, if there has been a lot of punishment and shame and old school tactics to try and get them to do better when they were just a you know, highly sensitive nervous system kid who was acting out when they were three because, you know, the world was overwhelming and they didn't have a grown up know how to remain calm and help them build the skills that they needed to have to do well in life. You know, if there's been patterns where they were shamed and admonished and yelled at and scared when they were actually begging for help as little ones, right? Like there's going to be more to really get honest and uncover here if you truly are committed to, to, to creating a happier household. You know, if, it, if creating happy households, especially with strong-willed kids, was easy, 
Everybody, I mean, my job would be so easy. It would be awesome. But it's loaded. It's complicated. It's deeper. And as humans, we are complicated, right? Like I always say, being human is messy business. We are complicated. We are layered. It does take a lot of work to get here. What I can tell you is that once you start to truly peel back these layers, you'll see, you know, I say my, my strong-willed kid was my biggest blessing. It's my biggest gift because he propelled me to be on this path. He wasn't having it. He was not going to just, I mean, if I'd had my other two kids first, they would have been like, okay, yell at me if you, if I mess up, you know, <laughs> throw in a little shame there. That's okay. Punish me, use it, whatever old school tactic. And we're still going to pretty much figure it out because we're just easier temperaments. Um, but my strong willed one was not having any of that, none of it. So, um, so he propelled me to have to do this work and get on this journey. And without, if I hadn't had him, I wouldn't have ever done this. And I would have still been a person who was living in shame and blame and numbing and all these other ways that I lived, which were my coping mechanisms and I needed at the time, but it feels so much better to, um, to be doing this work. And it's a process, you know, by, by all means, I'm far from healed. <laughs> There's still plenty of things that come up and that's just part of the journey. Like that's just, like I said, it's just part of the whole human, messy, beautiful experience. So, um, I know this is a heavy topic this month, but I just, you know, I, if I'm going to talk about meltdowns, I gotta have a truly honest conversation because I promise you, if you have a kid prone to chronic meltdowns, there is a lot of fear on the scene. They are living in a state of fight or flight way more often than is healthy for any human body. You are most likely, if you're feeling your buttons being pushed and you're living in a place of fight or flight, you're there in a way that's, you know, not very healthy. And, um, and so we got to have an honest conversation about this. So, uh, thanks for listening this week. I hope it was helpful. Please. I know this is a heavy, heavy topic. And if I can support you in any way or direct you to more resources to help you work through some of your old hurts or your old trauma or things that you realize you can't remember, but probably need to, uh, and you need my my support in terms of connecting you with the right professional, please feel free to reach out to me at info at Okay. You guys have a great week. Are you ready to start having productive conversations? Have you been listening to the podcast for a while and you hear me go through my three-step productive conversation process to solve any problem? And you're thinking, how does she do that? Guess what? I made a really cool resource for you guys. I call it the problem solving one sheet. Okay. It's one sheet front and back. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but it will walk you through how to have productive conversations and you'll practice. And before you know it, you'll be having productive conversations all day, every day. It really is the solution to solve any problem. So you can download it at mastermindparenting.com forward slash problem solving all one word. That's mastermindparenting.com forward slash problem solving. 
all one word.